Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hi, this is Jordan Moreno, and this is The Valley Now, your weekly feel-good hour where we lift each other up with the stories of good people doing good things in your neighborhood. Every week, we'll be talking with community leaders who have a unique passion for our thriving city and those that make the Valley such a special place to live. Get ready to be inspired by the work they're doing, whether it's mentoring our youth, providing a platform for those without one, or just driving those worthy charitable causes. Listen in on the conversations and join us in raising our community. This is our time to shine, and this is The Valley Now. Good morning and welcome to another episode of The Valley Now, where we highlight some amazing work happening around Phoenix and at the same time, hear some wonderful stories. My name is Jordan Moreno and today we're diving into an organization that's been around since 2006, so been around for a while. Uh, But here to tell us more is the founder of Arizona Autism United. His name is Dr. Aaron Blotcher-Rubin. Good morning, Aaron. Thank you for being on the show. Good morning, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. We'll jump right in um, to what is Arizona Autism United, talk about kind of your mission and then some of the programs that you're offering too. So my name is Aaron Blocker-Rubin and I'm the uh, founder and, and current CEO of Arizona Autism United or as we're known in the Valley, AZA United. And uh, our mission is to help as many families as possible with individualized supports. So we began, like you said, back in 2006, 17 years ago, Uh, Really just on the simple premise that families needed better options. They needed better care for their children. I come from a family that uh, has autism in our family, my youngest brother, Andy. And at the time, we were one of those families where, uh, you know, 17 years ago, there just weren't many resources available. And I was part of a group with some local families who together wanted to see if we could create something new that would help provide uh, the day-to-day care that their children need at, at higher levels of quality with the more of a uh, what we call a family-centered focus where the, the care team is really taking into consideration all the needs of the family and, and planning accordingly. And, uh, and we felt that a nonprofit was the best way to do that because that way the motivations and the priorities would remain pure and we could really just focus on what's the best way to provide the most you know, valuable care and support that we can. And that started 
with very basic services, just sort of day-to-day in-home helpers, what we call um, habilitators or habilitation providers who teach life skills and, and provide support for a number of, of sort of day-to-day functional goals. Um, also respite care, which is a little bit like babysitting or caregiving to give parents a break is the basic idea. And uh, that was sort of our focus for the first few years. But as things evolved, obviously, there were many other needs that families have, children have. And then there are, you know, we talk about autism as the spectrum where there's just a wide variety of ways that people experience autism. Uh, one, one child with autism maybe appear very different from another. So it's really important that those supports are individualized. So that's why that was such an important word in our mission statement, uh, individualized supports. And to keep in mind that it doesn't just affect the one person, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a sibling, I have a a sister um, who grew up one year apart from my brother. And that was a, you know, a core staple of her life from, from his, you know, her earliest memories. And so many siblings experience this uh, in their own way. But uh, there are also quite a, a number of supports that uh, are important and can be very, very helpful. Um, and then, of course, the parents uh, and, and, and everything that they go through, which, you know, um, for many parents, they describe that initial experience is, frankly, traumatic uh, because they're, they're so worried and so afraid of what it means. We've worked with so many families that we know it doesn't have to be such a bad thing. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it can be a lot of work. But uh, if you have good support and you're empowered and you're able to sort of appreciate uh, all the beautiful things that uh, that come along with it, it can be, you know, um, a wonderful thing in many ways. And so I think that our job is to make sure that we can be a resource for the community, a place that families can turn to when they're stuck and they feel like they have nowhere else to go. They don't know who to turn to. We have a family support team that's just sort of available to talk to anyone and help them with anything. And then make sure that we're building out those, all those different services, the different therapies. Uh, We offer speech therapy, um, occupational therapy, what's called ABA therapy, which is a a behavioral treatment, stands for applied behavior analysis. Um, Super important therapy, especially when children are younger to teach a pretty much wide variety of, of life skills. And then as, as you get a little bit older, um, you know, we have programs like counseling, which can be for, for teens or adults on the autism spectrum or family members, siblings, parents. We have uh, programs for intensive behavioral supports. Um, and then going all the way back to the beginning, we now offer the diagnostic evaluations. So that's okay. really where families get started. And, you know, you kind of, in addition to wanting to know what your child is dealing with, um, you also need that diagnosis to really access a lot of the services and, and the funding systems available through government programs and insurance. Um, and so we try to make all of that available. And I love that you really are family focused. You know, I've talked with so many different organizations uh, that are treating largely children, um, but I just hear time and time again that the siblings of the child who is undergoing treatment, uh, whether it's cancer or autism or whatever it is, the siblings become depressed. They start acting out at school. And if you really think about it and get down to the root of that, it, it makes sense. You know, it makes sense that the siblings, the brothers, the sisters are starting to feel invisible because all of that attention and all of the money, you know, not necessarily that children understand how much money is being spent on treatment, but, you know, they just kind of fall by the wayside. And I think that's kind of an older, like an old school mentality, uh, because I do hear a lot of organizations like yourself that are focused on the family and are, are recognizing that the siblings need 
attention and treatment in their own way. Yeah, absolutely true. I, you know, every family is different. Every sibling is different, but absolutely some common themes for siblings growing up with uh, a sibling who has, you know, any form of a significant health condition. We have this uh, approach of really trying to do as much as we can early on, that sort of early intervention, early intensive intervention mm-hmm. um, to, to really give the child the best chance as their young brain is developing. Um, and that requires a lot of time, a lot of energy, you know, a lot of attention, like you said, um, a lot of appointments, <laughs> a lot of people yes. coming into the home, you know, or, or the sibling going to a center to receive therapies. And it's extremely difficult for parents to just have enough capacity, enough bandwidth to mm-hmm. still take care of, of their other child's needs. And I think we see that siblings respond to that in different ways. Um, some become their child, their sibling's best therapist because <laughs> oh, they're at every normal. appointment. Yeah. And they, they learn all the skills and, and they are, you know, they're getting them to talk and they're getting them to do things. And I think with the, uh, with sisters, <laughs> we see that a lot, but even then there can be uh, an unacknowledged sense of stress that the sibling maybe isn't even totally aware of themselves, you know, right. that can come out later or, or sometimes it doesn't go that way. And the sibling has their own challenges from the beginning and um, anything we can do to help, that family unit function as a whole is going to help everybody. And, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, autism or not, every child does better when, when their family is, is doing well, you know, okay. and all family members are, are thriving in their own way. And so super important that whatever we can do to help the family, like that's really what's going to make the difference, you know. And there are a number of factors that, that are critical there. And absolutely, you know, working with, with families and making sure that goals are aligned with their priorities is huge. Another big one is just making sure that different therapists are on the same page. Kids tend to get uh, different types of therapy. So, you know, for example, you, if you take a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, a teacher, a behavior analyst, you know, a doctor, <laughs> you put all those together. And if they're all independently sort of doing their own assessment and their own writing of goals and treatment plans, there's a really strong chance they're all giving parents different recommendations. Absolutely. And, and there's a big risk that they are not agreeing with each other or, mm-hmm. or they're providing conflicting advice. And so it's super important that the professionals are aligned and collaborating and talking with each other and coming up with, with uh, approaches that, that complement each other rather than conflict. And so it, it's hard to do that when, when, when you're getting therapies at, at lots of different organizations or companies. We certainly do our best to collaborate with doctors and teachers and things like that. But at minimum, we, ha- we can make sure that at least the services that we all have in-house, you know, within under the same umbrella, we can make sure that those are very coordinated. And, and so that's a big focus for us. And so we've got, uh, we do a lot of services in the home, but we also have um, some, some clinics and some centers, including a new one in the West Valley. And that's a big focus is that there's multiple types of therapies happening there and everybody's working together. And I do want to talk a lot about these centers because it's not a sterile hospital type of approach. Like they are very warm and there's playgrounds and play rooms. Um, so using kind of the, the power of the magic of the mind of audio of radio, um, <laughs> can you kind of explain what those centers look like? And then congratulations on the West Valley center, because that was just 
was it last week, just a couple of weeks ago that you launched that center? Yeah, we just had our grand opening and uh, we start services next week. So we're really, really close. Yay. Yeah. Um, and thank you. And, and I really appreciate the compliments about the, the environment. You know, there's so much focus on our field on the the therapy and the science and the you know the the disciplines and the professionals and so on and i think not enough attention is paid to simple things like that like the environment in which it all happens but yeah we got our first children's therapy center four years ago in Mesa, call it the East Valley Center. That was uh, quite an experience of uh, going out with our, our board of directors who are all volunteers and many of them are parents themselves and trying to find what is the right building for this. And mm-hmm. uh, it was quite a lesson for me in, in commercial real estate. It's, it's a difficult <laughs> process. It's a lot of strip Sounds malls, awful. <laughs> a lot of corporate office buildings, and you really have to use your imagination. But for us, a, a deal breaker was there has to be an outdoor space. There has to be the ability to at least build a playground if we yeah. can't find one that already has one, because they got to be kids. And, and sometimes they're there for an entire day. And that's important. And then, and then having that just like warm feeling, you know, that it's, it feels like, like a second home, simple things like natural light and just, you know, nice, comfortable, clean environment, not overstimulating, but lively. And uh, we got really lucky. We found a great little building in Mesa. It already was a, a children's therapy center, okay. um, but it was transitioning. So we were able to make some renovations and make it really nice. And it has a nice little playground and it's, it's private. So, so a safe space is really important. You know, many, many kids are, you know, one of the things that is a known issue with uh, children with autism, young children especially, is lack of safety awareness and suddenly running off, which can be really dangerous in a parking lot or a crowded street. So having that safe space where um, that wasn't a risk was hugely important. So we found this great little quiet neighborhood and were able to build that place and then uh, set our sights to the West Valley to uh, continue sort of spreading ourselves out. One of our goals is to, to make AZA United within reach of, of every family that needs it. And that was a journey as well. So we, we started by looking for places of a similar size, um, which was not too big, but again, couldn't really find anything we liked, couldn't find anything that had that outdoor space component, and then came across this property that was much larger than we intended to, to go for. It was a, uh, a wedding and events reception center oh. in Avondale. And one of the things I liked about it is it has a lot of space to grow into. Mm-hmm. And we recognize there are some real gaps in the services we provide. We don't have enough for young adults and, and older adults. We don't have any sort of you know, job coaching type programs or training. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some real great need and, and opportunity there. And so we saw a property that we thought we can absolutely build a, a, an incredible children's therapy center here to start. And then there's room to continue growing onto that. And again, trying to provide that sort of full spectrum of care option for families. Uh, we saw the potential. So yeah, so we began a, basically a two-year process to um, completely renovate this basically big box of a building um, and figure out creative ways to, to bring in natural light. And, um, and one of the things we're really excited about is the playground area is large enough that we can do more with it than just offer it during therapy hours, right? So oh, we see it as an opportunity to open it up to the 
autism and developmental disabilities community and do things on the weekends where we can have social events. We could let families host birthday parties, you know, things like that, mm. where people who struggle to find good places to take their kids um, or to meet other families or to get information, mm -hmm. we can provide sort of that safe space where they can come, their kids can play, they can learn, they can get connected with each other. They can, can get connected with information and resources. We're excited to, you know, maybe partner with local coffee shops or food vendors or something like that to come in and just make events exciting like that. Because I think we always remind ourselves that as a nonprofit, we are a community-based organization. And so 90% of what we do is provide services and therapies and, and direct supports. But it's really important that we go beyond that. And, and we really are here to take care of a community and not just, you know, um, clients who are receiving service uh, and, and that we, we have something for everybody who, who needs help. So, so this is one of the things we're looking forward to. And that community of families, I've just heard time and time again, that it's so nice to be able to lean on another parent that understands what you're going through because parenthood is hard period and Absolutely full stop, true. no matter what, <laughs> but it's just to be able to commiserate with a parent or celebrate with a parent that totally understands what you're going through, having just that safe space, like you said, to be able to do those things and to explore and to meet other kids. Uh, and for, for kind of that understanding and that inclusivity of maybe children with autism, children without autism, and that it all just boils down to playing together, you know, creating these new friendships. I think that'll be an amazing place for you. Absolutely. And, and to tie back something we just talked about earlier is, you know, another great example is the siblings. Here's an opportunity now for siblings to come and be part of the play and meet other siblings, you know, in addition to parents meeting parents and kids meeting kids. Uh, you know, I think these are some of the things we need. And it's really important that, you know, kids are have those inclusion opportunities at the the city parks as well, of course. But I think it's it's important that it's not only that because that always comes with its challenges. And we're always encouraging, you know, parents to take their kids to the park and and try to help them, you know, form those friendships. And and that's that's a challenge for young children. And it's one of the things we work on and teach in therapy is sort of like how to uh, have those social interactions and and to play with another child that you maybe you don't know and and uh, develop friendships. But you know, you can only teach so much. You have to have opportunities to practice. And so mm -hmm. I think this type of uh, approach creates another sort of safe space where people can do that. And everybody is just very supportive of what's going on and nobody's feeling judged and nobody's feeling isolated. All of that is super important. What are some of the other biggest challenges that children with autism are facing now uh, or families with a child that has autism or is on the spectrum is facing now and have those challenges kind of remain constant over time or in your time with the organization have you seen them change and evolve with the way that just kids are so yeah. different these days let's start with the the diagnosis itself and what it is when i began working in the field 25 years ago we were told that between one in a thousand to one in ten thousand was the estimated diagnosis rate which is such a big gap that, no that like, was whatever. probably very inaccurate at the time but you know, that's where we were as a field. Uh -huh. So it was, you know, most people you said autistic and they thought you said artistic and it just, mm -hmm. the awareness just Even wasn't the there yet. Yeah. Right. And, and that has changed dramatically um, for the better, I think. And today the most recent numbers are, are one in 36 children 
That's a very recent study um, nationally from the CDC. So that's, I mean, my goodness, to go from 1,000 to 36 is mm-hmm. you know, not even close. And we know that a, a, a huge part of that is better diagnosing. The definition of autism spectrum disorder has been revised a few times. So there's been some effect there, no question about it, but it still seems like a pretty drastic increase, even if you take all of that into consideration. So, you know, the core defining features of autism haven't changed too much. Again, there's a little, there's some revisions in those criteria, but the main things are communication. And so obviously we always think of speech and language and and being able to talk, but Mm -hmm. communication is more than that. It's body language, it's eye contact, it's gestures, you know, it's when a child is very young, it's pointing to things or isn't necessarily responding to what we call joint attention where, you know, you're the parent and you look at something like um, you see a rabbit and you say, oh my gosh, look, and you point to it and you would expect a child to sort of look at it and their face lights up as sort of mm-hmm. that you share that moment together, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you just don't see that and, and that. and that sort of leads to that sort of stereotypical concept of like the child appears to be in their own world. You mm-hmm. know, that that's usually sort of what we imagine. And again, it's a spectrum. So there's many variations of that. But yeah, so those early signs are that the language isn't developing and the communication, it's not developing at the pace you would expect to see um, in children. And then that ties into the next criteria, which is is socialization um, and, and social interaction. And so you, you see that more as, as children get older. And this is that ability to play with toys and do pretend play and be interactive and have what what's known as theory of mind or kind of like understanding other people's perspectives. Right. So mm-hmm. like, you know, if uh, if you're upset, but I'm not upset then the theory of mind is like, I understand that you have a different perspective and you're feeling and seeing and experiencing something different than what I am. And I can understand that and relate to that. But if you just didn't understand that, then you you wouldn't react the same way, right? So you really have to have that sense of other people's perspectives in order to form friendships and have conversations and develop relationships and show mm-hmm. empathy and you know that kind of thing. So it's not to say that these skills don't exist, but they can appear to to sort of not be developing or or just be uh, have gaps. The other thing that's very common is what we call repetitive behaviors. This can look like a number of different things, but it's you know it, at a very basic level, it can just be the child sort of doing the same thing over and over again, and that could be uh, spinning in circles or or shaking a, a a toy a certain way or looking at things and like squinting at them a certain way. And it can also be what we call restricted interests, where they seem to really hyper-focus on a few things that they just really like. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're usually not things you would expect a child to focus on. So it could be like, um, you know, like like ceiling fans or or vacuum cleaners or um, or it could be like trains or, you know, something like that. It can vary and, and it can also turn out to be a strength, especially for autistic adults who are super smart and like really good at at some specialty area that nobody else can understand very well. But it can be a barrier when they're younger to, um, you know, playing with others and things like that and forming relationships. And it can also become a challenge if if it's like very obsessive and they can get very, very upset if they're not able to engage in a certain thing. Or, or if you're feeling very rigid and, you know, and resistant to change, changes in routines, changes in the environment, you know, the way the furniture is set up in the house or things like that. And usually we can help kids develop a lot of flexibility, again, just through some practice and some basic behavioral strategies um, to support them to become more comfortable with some change while also supporting who they are. You know, that's another big trend in the field, I think, is that for so many years there was this focus on like, 
help kids not be so autistic. And that has really started to change for the better, um, especially as many autistic adults are speaking out about the challenges they've had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's been, we feel a bit of a, a reckoning for our society to say, it, you know, it's not just their responsibility to change. Right. You know? We right. need to change too. Like we need to be more inclusive and accepting and, and not right. as, as judgmental. And, and, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with anti-bullying and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting time for the field in that way. I think there's a lot of evolution of thought in terms of what therapy should look like. Um, there's a lot of encouraging kids to do things without forcing them to do things, you know, which is, which is certainly good. Mm-hmm. and important. Um, there's a bigger recognition of the risk of trauma for kids. Um, and, uh, you know, trauma can be as simple as I don't know how to communicate and I'm going through something really difficult and I'm just screaming and crying at the top of my lungs for two hours mm-hmm. and I'm three years old, you know, or yeah. I'm five years old. And, and we don't think nobody's like inflicting trauma upon them, but, you know, imagine being in that situation and you couldn't talk and nobody understood what you're talking about. And, and you, you know, that's traumatic. So you're there's a new inside your own bodies. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's a, a, a new sort of uh, approach called trauma assumed care where you just mm-hmm. sort of uh, approach therapy more gently, you know, assuming mm-hmm. that, Hey, you, you've had these challenges. We're just going to assume it's been really hard for you. And we're going to try to just be very supportive in our approach. So, so yeah, so I think a lot of those, those basic challenges, you know, other things we work on are self-help skills um, always. So learning to dress yourself, brush your teeth, make your own food, you know, get ready for the day, et cetera. Um, toilet training, of course, for, for younger children, super important, big milestone when we achieve it. Those are Which always so big hard. ones. Like for any yeah, talker, and, and it, it's, it's so hard, hard for, for any parent. It's obviously yes. super stressful. And then just being able to go out in public for families is huge. Um, and some for some, it's harder than others. But we were joking the other day, we, we have a, a program that works with older youth um, that have really high intensity behavior challenges. And usually these these whole families have been experiencing trauma for years because it's been so difficult. And usually they haven't had very good help and they're in a bad spot. And we have a, a really, really intensive program that, that helps them um, change that, that course. And, and we've had some great outcomes with it. It's called clinical family coaching. So it's a, sort of a full family coaching program. Okay. And we were joking the other day that the, the best outcome is when parents tell us after this program, we were able to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we never thought we'd be able to do that, you know, to be able to be out there and the child's not running away and they're not yes. upset and they can handle standing in line and, and uh, everybody's just having a good time. I mean, you know, whatever it is, those are the types of things that are like, that's a pretty powerful outcome, you know, because it represents so much more um, than just that one trip, of course. So, yeah. So for, for children, there's those challenges. And then for families, the challenges are typically feeling isolated at the beginning, you know, and, and, and later on too. Um, which is, you know, you think about one in 36, so there's so many, why, why would it feel isolating? But our society just isn't well set up to uh, accommodate that. And so um, between fear and anxiety and depression and, and, you know, if you go to the grocery store and you see a, a child appear to have a, a tantrum right there on the floor and they're crying and screaming, you can just imagine the judgmental looks and comments someone oh, might yeah. get and they, they just don't understand what's going on. Yeah. I've known parents who carry around little business cards that say something like, my child has autism. Let me know if you'd like to help or something like that. <laughs> you know, just kind of like, don't if judge. Like to be nice, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> and some people are, and those are really powerful experiences to families. And so 
I would encourage anybody listening that if you experience something like that, don't be too quick to rush to judgment. And if yeah. you if you want to be helpful, you can just be around and 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 just maybe if it's appropriate, say, is there anything I can do to help? Mm-hmm. Or or just you know give them a smile and and show them that it's okay, you know. Yeah. And then, like I said, just just feeling like you're getting help that that you can trust, you know. Frankly, uh, too much sort of financially motivated therapy. Oh. Um, this is this is a real challenge in our field right now. There's been a huge influx of, you know, private equity and things like that as funding systems have changed and 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 there's money to be made, let's say. And so there's some great work going on, but there's also some work going on that that has some real questionable motives. And I think um, unfortunately families pay the price for that. And a vulnerable, newly diagnosed parent absolutely wouldn't know the difference at the yeah. beginning. And so it's really important to try to educate families on just how to evaluate their options and for red flags to watch out for, good questions to ask, um, make sure that the care they're getting is helping their child and also healthy for their family. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the community and congratulations again on the West Valley location. Where can we learn more about AZA United? We're friends now, so I can call you by your nickname. <laughs> That's right. Yep. You can text me anytime. Um <laughs> Our website, of course, is is the easiest way to start. Uh, that's simply azaunited.org. We have a family support team that is uh, mostly parents and just very well-informed people uh, that are available to help any family with any issue. It doesn't have to be for our services. It could be someone that's moving to Arizona and wants help, someone that's struggling in school, or certainly someone that needs our services. And they can be reached on our website. We have a link where they can uh, book a, a, an appointment with them. They can call our, our main number at 602-773-5773. Or they can send them an email, which is simply support at azaunited.org. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Aaron. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, get the word out. And and, uh, this is a great show. Thank you for doing it. All right. I want to give a very special thank you to my guests today. And I want to thank you for being a part of the program and making our community an amazing place, not just to live and to work, but most importantly, to play. You can hear The Valley Now on the radio with audio on demand on radio station websites and the Odyssey app. My name is Jordan Moreno. Shine your light, share your love and join us again next week right here on The Valley Now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.